seen the remake of the groundbreaking horror movie in which the villain... Halloween! Uh, Texas Chainsaw, Dawn of the Dead, The Hills Have Eyes, Amityville Horror, uh, Last House on the Left, Friday the 13th, and A Nightmare on Elm Street by Bloody Valentine, When a Stranger Calls a Prom Night, Black Christmas House of Wax the Fog, uh, Piranha. It's one of those right... right... Hello. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> um, I've had some Baileys and some other things, and I am ready to talk about this movie. Very excited. Um, I've been watching this movie every Christmas for, like, years. It's been, like, a really long time I've been watching this movie. As I stated at the end of the last episode, this movie was actually the very first movie I ever read on the moviespoiler.com. Um, because the trailer just like, oh my god, like, Christmas movie, all women, drama, like this, this is so me. And I was like obsessed with it and I would read it all the time. Like, it was a fucking bug. And I felt so pathetic for it. Um. <laughs> but. I finally watched it. I was like, oh my god. Like, yes. Um. But, like, now that I'm older, obviously, I can confidently say that the storyline for this movie is absolute bananas. And really unnecessary at most points. Um, the characters absolutely lack substance and <laughs> have little to no personality with the exception of a couple. And also, like, what was up with Billy? Like, why did he look like that? Yikes. Um, but with that being said, I love this movie. <laughs> It's so good. Um, there is a tweet that has been circulating with the picture, and it's like four pictures, and it has um, Michelle Trachtenberg, and it's shots from the movie. Michelle Trachtenberg, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, um, Lacey Chabert, is it Chabert? And then um, Ianke Cristolo. And... The tweet said, this is the cuntiest cast I've ever seen. And you know what? That Twitter user was absolutely correct. Because there is something about this cast. Like, I mean, this was like kind of like the rise of Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Okay, she was fresh off Sky High, fresh off Final Destination. And she was really becoming a little starlet and somewhat of a scream queen. I'm going to say right here up front, Mary is my favorite actress, probably. I just think she's so talented and she's so good in everything I've seen her and I've believed. I love her on-screen presence. I love what she brings to her roles. I think she's just freaking awesome. And I actually really like her in this movie. She makes, like, some accent choices, but we'll get into that a little bit. Um when I go through the plot. But, 
also like how is everyone I just want everyone to be, like, good and happy and not stressing it, you know, because it do be a very depressing time of year. Um, it took me forever, but I finally somewhat decorated my new space for the first time. Um, this is my first Christmas here. And that kind of made me feel a little good. I got myself a little tree. Um... I don't know, I guess, try to, like, do things that you think make you happy. I'm, you know, not great at advice right now, because I'm slightly inebriated, but, like, either way, just try not to be, try not to reflect too negatively on things, and go easy on yourself. We don't all have to take the holidays too seriously, right? So now, I'm going to get into a long synopsis, if you will. Okay. It's pretty much the same spiel as the 74 one, but let's get into it. This one is from IMDb, and it's really short. On Christmas Eve, an escaped maniac returns to his childhood home, which is now a sorority house, and begins to murder the sorority sisters one by one. All right, yep. Although I feel like the element that's changed is already we see an escaped maniac. We don't know anything about the killer in the original at all. Nothing. We never find out anything about him, but already from the synopsis, we know something about him. Um, this film was directed by Glenn Morgan. And the screenplay was done by Glenn Morgan and Roy Moore. It stars Michelle Trachtenberg as Melissa. Um, we know her, Miss Harriet the Spy, um, Georgina Sparks. Icon. Like, she... I love Michelle Trachtenberg. Um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead... <laughs> Mary Elizabeth Winstead... Or, I'm sorry, Michelle Trachtenberg is playing Melissa. Um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Heather Fitzgerald. Um, not much to say here. She's an icon. She's been in everything. Sky High, Final Destination 3, Death Proof. Um, she hasn't been in everything. But she, she's criminally underused in the industry, in my opinion, honestly. Um, Lacey Chabert as Dana. I think her last name is Mathis, if I'm not mistaken. I don't list that on IMDb, though. But, um, yeah. Katie Cassidy as Kelly Presley. Um, Katie Cassidy, Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Um, you know, sometimes I list, like, projects they were in. Sometimes I don't. I don't know why that is. Maybe I'll stop. Kristen Cloak, Lee Colvin. Um, oh my god, returning player, Andrea Martin, coming back as Miss Mac. Um, we love to see her. She was Phil in the original. So I really, really like that they brought her back. Um, we have Yankee Cristolo as Lauren Hannon. 
So let's discuss Miss um, Yankee Crystal Lowe, okay? Because, like, she is such, like, a horror icon to me. <laughs> she was one of the tanning bed girls in Final Destination 3. She was in Wrong Turn 2. Um, she's done, like, a, a few other, like, kind of indie projects that I've watched solely for her performance. She, like, is kind of known for showing her boobs and like, most of the roles she's in. And I love that. Like, period. And you know what? They're nice tits. So, like, I love her. I love her. She's great. Then we have Oliver Hudson as Kyle Autry. Now, one thing about Oliver Hudson, okay, like, really handsome guy, and he's been, like, getting booked in more things as of recently, like, he was in Ryan Murphy's Scream Queens, and he also was in this show on ABC, I don't remember what it was, I've seen him in a lot, but I haven't heard his lisp, okay, and it is so prominent in this movie, I just, I think it's great. Like, I'm glad he overcame that, and I want to have a meeting with him and be like, hey, Ollie, loved you in Black Christmas. Can you teach me how you got rid of that? Like, because I really need to know. Like, how did you make it, like, less prominent, or how did you delete it completely? I gotta know. Because <laughs> I need help. Um, so yeah, without further ado... Let's get into her. When we start off, we get, like, the exterior of the house. Um, we see in the windows that Lauren <laughs> is smoking a cigarette out one of the windows pensively. And in the other window, we have Claire, who is writing a card to her sister. And her sister's name is Lee. Um, she, all she really gets done is the Lee part. And she hears, like, a rustling in her closet. She also, while she's writing this letter, she looks a little, like... I don't know what the word you could use is. I guess, I guess she looks a little, like... Like, apprehensive or, like, a little unsure of what to write. Um, but then she hears a rustling in her closet. And she gets up and turns around. Now, if we know anything from the original, it's that Claire's going into closets... Not a good idea, but she does, and actually no one's in there. I think the bags were just being, like, rustled by the air vent. So she's like, okay, cool, whatever, I'm fine, I'm, I'm alive. <laughs> she goes back to sit down where she was originally and goes to reach for her pen. The pen is not there. And we see her a little confused about this, but then right away, a plastic bag is pulled over her head. And then the figure behind her stabs her in the eye with the pen. Flash the title card. All we really see of this killer is that they have long blonde hair. We then end up at the psychiatric hospital, and there's this doctor, and he is passing out meals to all of the patients there and he's like opening the slot and putting the food in he's like merry christmas merry christmas there's one he opens the slot and he goes happy birthday and it's this guy like with long brown hair reciting bible scripture 
So I guess like he's in a delusion where he thinks he's Jesus. Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, This Santa, this guy dressed in a Santa suit comes up and he's like, hey, I'm looking for the children's ward. And the guy's like, oh, like you are in the wrong place, buddy. Like these are like the high risk criminals. Like they're super nuts. Um, this other guy, I think he's like a security guard comes in and they're all talking and the Santa guy's like a creep. He's really weird. And he looks at the door next to them and goes, oh, that's, um, that's Billy Lenz's room. Didn't he like snap and kill a bunch of people? They're like, yep, that's him. So they get him a plate of chicken and the guy, the doctor who's working there, he goes like, it's chicken. And you know what it tastes like? Chicken. It's the closest to what his mom used to taste like. And he slides the tray into the room and Billy with his yellow hands snatches the tray and he just starts to eat and it's really really nasty he is a slob <laughs> also if my voice is shit it's because i'm still dealing with allergies and it's just like really really irritating so don't be mad <laughs> but i i mean i doubt you will be mad but anyway um yeah so then we go back to the sorority house and we see that Kelly is outside making out with her boyfriend Kyle in the car. And Kyle's like, you know what? I think you should just like hang out with me for Christmas because like we should spend time together. And Kelly's like, yeah, that's great and all. But also like, this is like my, I've never had like a family like this before. And like, I want to spend time with my sisters because like, I've never had family. And he goes, you're my family now. Which is like, this will come into play later, but it's also like such a really, really weird way to say like, you matter so much to me and I care about you. <laughs> I don't know. So Kelly gets out of the car and she goes into the house. Just as she gets into the house, Kyle gets a phone call. And we don't really hear the conversation, but we see it's a little heated. The camera pans up to a window upstairs in the house, and we see Megan, one of the fellow sorority sisters, on the phone in a heated discussion to which she hangs up, and she's she's really upset. So downstairs, Kelly is hanging out with Miss Mac, Heather, Dana, and Melissa, and they're looking through presents. Miss Mac cannot find the present, which is for Billy. This is really weird. Um, so, Miss Mac knows some of the history of Billy. Billy, like, apparently killed his family and went on a rampage. But, like, it's the tradition of the house to get him a secret Santa gift every year. Like, granted, he's locked up. He's not going to be able to open it. And also, like, what? <laughs> She's like, I can't find Billy's present. Like, who had Billy? And eventually Heather speaks up. Now, Heather is a Southern princess, okay? Mary made a specific choice in this role. <laughs> and I've heard so many people come after her accent because there's the smallest hint of a Southern accent there. <laughs> it's barely there. Like, if you aren't paying enough attention, you will not pick up on it at all. But hear me out. 
that kind of works for me, actually. <laughs> like, Heather kind of gives me the vibe of a girl who is from the South and, like, has assimilated to, like, the the Midwest and has kind of lost her accent a little bit, but there's still peaks of it in there. I can, I can definitely see that. So they're trying to figure out where all their sisters are. Like, some of them are on ski trips, some of them are home with their family, and they're like, where's Claire? And Kelly goes, I think she's upstairs writing a letter to her sister. And I'm like, what would make you think that? You literally just got home, and that bitch was before you even stepped foot in the door. So, how long have you been gone, Kel? And how long has she been writing this letter? <laughs> she says something along the lines of, yeah, Claire wants to bury the hatchet with her sister. Dana, Dana is serving in this movie, I'm gonna say. Like, there's not... And I really wish we got more from her character because she is the character we know the least about. She's the character that, like, we really don't get much information at all on or even a vibe except for the fact she's a bitch, which is mutually exclusive to every girl in a sorority. Not that I'm complaining. Also mutually exclusive that they're all brunette, except for Kelly. <laughs> but Dana is saying they're texting, like, with this bitchy look on her face. She goes, I'd like to bury the hatchet with my sister. Right in her head. And Melissa says something about, like, everyone should be home for Christmas, what have you. Um, so now we're back at the psychiatric hospital, and the security guard is outside of Billy's room, and the little slot in the door opens, and Billy slides out a little box wrapped in newspaper. And the guy, the security guard looks in the slot and sees that Billy is sitting in a rocking chair, just chilling. There is a note inside this box that says, I'll be home for Christmas. And the security guard is like, um, the fuck you will. He looks in the slot and realizes that the rocking chair is now empty. So he goes into the cell and he doesn't see Billy anywhere. But he sees that the sink has been ripped out of a wall. And he sees that there's like a hole in the wall, obviously, with like pipes and shit in there. So he, um... He goes to the hole in the wall, and I'm looking at this like, why are you investigating this? Like, not a single human being could fit in there and even hope to get out. Like, the hole itself is not even big enough for Billy's body. But Billy, like, comes out from under the bed. Mind you, he was sucking a candy cane to, like, a sharp tip when we last saw him, and... He comes up behind the security guard and plunges the candy cane into his neck. This is the first look we get at Billy, and I just have to wonder, what was with the character design here? <laughs> like, Billy Billy Loomis has jaundice, okay? That's, that's what they went with here. Um, fine. But... He looks like a Simpsons character. It doesn't it doesn't look like any case of jaundice I've seen. It looks like they covered him in yellow mustard paint. Also, no shade to the actor at all, but his presence doesn't read as scary to me. It almost reads as like comical. And it's not because of the jaundice. It's just because of the way he looks. I can't even explain it. 
Um, but back at the house, Kelly goes upstairs and she knocks on one of the doors. She's like, hey, we're opening presents. She goes to the next door. The door she just knocked on opens and out drunkenly saunters Lauren. And, like, first and foremost, Lauren is so hot. Like, Yankee Crystal Lowe, she, like, really is a stunner. I love her look. I think she's so hot. Um, real hot girl shit. But she, in this character especially, there's just something about her attitude. But she comes out and she's like, look, I know you're an only child and you're not used to this. But, like, it's kill or be killed. Like, you really need to go hard. She pounds full force on um, the next door. Like, hey, we're opening presents in five minutes. If you don't get down, your presents are mine. We see it's Claire's room, so, like, she's obviously not gonna really be able to come to the phone right now. Why? Because she's dead. (laughs) We go to the next door, and Kelly gives it a go. And is pounding furiously. Like, if you don't get down here in five minutes, I'm gonna steal your presents. We see inside it's Megan. And Megan's like, fuck Christmas. I don't give a shit. And Kelly's like, whoa, girl. Like, are, are you good? And Megan's like, yeah, I'm fine. But then she whispers, no. We look at her computer, and she is watching a sex tape of her fucking Kelly's boyfriend. Uh, that's fun. Oh my god, you know what sisters love to do? They love to share. They love it. But Kelly's, like, really thrown off by this vibe, and she joins the girls back downstairs. Alright, just a heads up at this point from here on out. My voice is going to sound even worse than it did before. <laughs> I had something come up in the middle of recording and ended up going and doing that. And by the time I had, like, come back, it was a little too late. So I ended up going to bed and I was going to finish it when I got home from work the next day. And I got the sinus infection from hell. But we are still going to push through and persevere, and we're going to finish this out. Okay, so Kelly goes back downstairs. Obviously, Megan is not very much feeling it. Um, but then Megan, alone in her room, hears something up in the attic. She's like, what the hell is that? Like, we get the vibe that, like, nobody ever goes up there. So, like, why would someone be in the attic? Um... So she leaves her room and she goes to the attic to investigate. And the moment she climbs up into the attic, she hears like a music box playing Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairies. She's like, all right, who's fucking with me? She gets into the attic and she's looking around. And then she walks into the back of the attic. We can see someone like crouching down behind her. And as she approaches, um, she finds Claire sitting in the rocking chair bag over her head and she just looks at her and goes Claire alright issue main issue with this movie okay main issue with the plot is the fact that a few people come across Claire's body and know instantly it's her Megan I understand because Megan may have seen her earlier in the day and seen the outfit she was wearing But later down the line, a character will find her body who did not know what she was wearing. And my question is this. How do you know it's Claire? Because I've I've stated, I've seen this movie so many times, and I've paused it. 
I've like looked in great detail and the thing is this bag is black and it's not see-through so I don't get how anybody knew that this was Claire's body but like whatever that's neither here nor there much in the fashion of Claire a bag is pulled over Megan's head and she's thrown to the ground and repeatedly stabbed until eventually there's a hole in the bag to which the killer God, like, I, I actually don't want to say this because it's just, like, it's going to make me cringe. Reaches into her eye socket and, like, yanks her eye out while she's alive and screaming. And it's, like, really, really gnarly. Back at the psychiatric hospital, though, um, creepy Santa is, like, flirting with the candy striper. Like, hey, baby, you've been good all year. Do you really want to blow it tonight? While he's being weird and talking, we see Billy come up behind him. And we don't see what happens to this man. It's, like, really weird. Like, I'm assuming he was bludgeoned, but, like, we just see, like, blood spray on the floor. <laughs> and then, um, we see that Billy throws his body. He had, like, a bag he was carrying around, like a toy bag. And his body in the toy bag is thrown into the dumpster. Billy has thrown on his Santa suit, and he is... Back to his home. So we're back at the sorority house now. And Heather has a confession. She says, you know what? I drew that name. But let me be honest. I just feel weird buying a present for a serial killer on Christmas. <laughs> um, All of the girls look like visibly annoyed with her. So like, while we don't really know who any of these characters is, are... The best representation of these characters come off in the other characters. And it seems like Heather's like the religious nut who annoys everybody. <laughs> like she she seems like a like a posh princess, like little religious southern girly, and everyone's like kind of annoyed with her for even saying that. Like, girl, come on, have some fun. To which Melissa informs her that Billy was not a serial killer, because a serial killer kills for sexual thrill. Billy was a spree killer and he just lost it. I don't think she's correct there. Like, I don't know where she got her um, definition of serial killer from, but I don't think it's just for sexual thrill. Whatever, though. She's like, whatever, Melissa. I just, I don't feel comfortable doing a pagan ritual on a Christian holiday. And then Lauren gives us a monologue about why Christmas is a pagan holiday. And I'm going to include it. It really pisses Heather off. Christmas is more about warding off evil spirits than Halloween. What Christmas shit in this room resembles anything Christian, huh? It's all neo-pagan magic. Christmas tree. A magical rite ensuring the return of the crops. The mistletoe is nothing but a conception charm. Fifth century Christians jacked a Roman winter festival. Twelve days in December where the nights were long and the earth was roamed by the demons of chaos. And fucking Santa Claus? This fat voyeur that watches you all year long to make sure you live up to his standards of decency before breaking into your house. And that is different from what Billy did. How? So, Lauren's like, yeah, how is that different from what Billy did? Like, breaking into the house and whatever. And Miss Mac goes, mind you, at this point, Miss Mac has, like, one of those, um prongs where you put marshmallows in the fire and she has a marshmallow in the fire and she dramatically turns around with it and she goes Billy didn't break in Billy lived here she proceeds to take the prong and put the 
marshmallow directly into her mouth, her lips touch the prongs. And I'm just like, I'm so glad we're cutting away to a flashback because like, I just know your mouth is scalding right now. So like I said, we cut to a flashback and we see that it is Christmas, 1970. And Billy has been born to his two parents and he has jaundice. Um, Billy's mom, Constance, I believe is her name. Let me double check. They don't really say it in the movie, but they say it in the credits. IMDb is not telling me, but I've seen Constance. I'm going to call her Constance. And her husband's name is Frank. Well, she hates Frank. She does not like him at all. And apparently, she doesn't like Billy either because as a baby, he resembles Frank. Mind you, Billy is like literally a baby. So like he is like in a crib, wrapped up in a blanket. Miss Constance takes the, um, the baby's first Christmas ornament off the tree and crushes it onto Billy in his crib, just glaring down at him menacingly. And baby Billy looks up and he's like, okay, like, what did I do? Then we jump to Christmas Eve 1975, and Billy is, like, spending time with his dad while Constance, like, sits in the back of the room smoking a cigarette. And she goes, why are you leaving cookies out for Santa? Nobody's coming for you. The Russian shot a sleigh down. Santa Claus is dead. <laughs> like, what a sick, evil bitch. And Billy's, like, really mad. And Frank whispers to him, like, hey, go upstairs in your room. I got you something. And Billy's like, okay, cool. So Billy goes upstairs into his room, and he has, like, this little, like, hidey hole in his closet. And he finds a present from Santa, allegedly, which is a telescope. And Billy's, like, really, really excited. Until he hears, like, some commotion outside of the room. And it's Frank being like, oh, so this is your new boyfriend. <sighs> um, so Billy, like, does a little sneaky crawl across the hallway. And he gets to the kitchen door. And we hear Frank say, like, I'm a war vet. Like, do you think I'm scared of a hammer? So Billy peeks under the kitchen door, and we hear, like, a smack and a grunt. And Frank falls to the floor. And a bag is pulled around his head, and he is repeatedly brutalized in the head with his hammer. So then Constance and her new boyfriend, um take Frank's body into the crawl space under the house and they start to bury him when they hear a noise and Constance turns around and shines the light and like the planks of the house underneath it she can see Billy's eye and she's like what the fuck so her and the boyfriend go in the house and when they get in the living room they hear movement in the walls um Billy is making his way up to the attic through the wall um so Constance runs and she there's like a combination lock on the attic door and she shuts it and locks it so this is obviously more origin story than we ever got in the original did we need all of it no um 
especially because I feel like this origin story would have done very good at explaining why Billy's so angry and aggressive, but we don't really get that side of Billy in this adaption, so I don't know. Was it necessary? It's it's interesting. It's something new, but I don't know. So present day back at the sorority, the phone rings, and Miss Kelly goes and answers it. Hello? And we don't hear what's going on, but we see Kelly looks a little disturbed. She goes, I think someone's in trouble. Everyone else kind of comes to the phone to listen. And we get, like, this really creepy phone call from Billy. Um, Very similar in the vein to the original, except for it's not as frantic and, like, wild sounding, which I feel like we kind of miss. So still creepy, but not the same. Um, Lauren pulls a barb, and while Billy's talking, he goes, Hey, shouldn't you be out delivering presents to good little boys and girls? And he goes like, Get out of my house. I'm gonna kill you. And he hangs up. Heather hangs up the phone, and she's like, Call the police. And Lauren's like, Girl, do you really think they're gonna give a shit about a whack job phone call? And she's right, they're not. <laughs> they're not gonna do anything about that. Uh, no matter how threatening the call is. Um, and Daniel's like, well, star 69 it. And Melissa's like, um, that's only going to call the killer back unless there's something you need him to clarify. Um, Heather is kind of glaring daggers at Lauren at this point. So there, there's about to be something that pops off here. Um, Melissa goes back and looks at the caller ID and sees that it was Claire's cell phone that called. She's like, why the hell would Claire call here? So then Heather confronts Lauren and she's like, you know, you really shouldn't provoke people like that. And Lauren's like, what would you know about dealing with anybody but your NASCAR daddy? <laughs> and this really pisses Heather off and she shoves past. She's like, I'm going home. <laughs> and Lauren goes, yeah, yeah, run back to daddy. And Heather shoots back. She goes, at least my family wants me home. Lauren's like, okay, okay, whatever, girl. So Heather is gonna get packed and leave. She goes to storm up the stairs and bumps into Eve, who is one of their other sorority sisters. And Eve is a different girl. She's got, like, this really long, like, dingy blonde hair, like, pulled back in a low pony. She's got, like, these big, like, goggle glasses, I guess you could say. She looks a bit, like out of, I don't know, like, out of the loop with them. Like, she doesn't really fit their vibe. And she's like, Merry Christmas. Um, you guys are, like, my family now. Oh, my God. And she hands Heather this present wrapped up in newspaper. And Heather opens it, and it's very much like in the original. It's the crystallized, like, unicorn statue, or the crystal unicorn statue. And Eve's like, I know you like the Bible and stuff. And I'm like, I never read the Bible. Like, I don't know much about it. But are there unicorns in the Bible? I don't know. But Heather um, had handed her something, like, she was carrying so she could open Eve's present. And she takes whatever it is back. And it looks like she hands Eve's gift back to her. (laughs) But I can't be sure. And then she goes up the stairs. Flashback to 1982, 
And we see that Constance is fucking her new boyfriend on the stairs. And, like, <laughs> she's got her titties out. Um, he falls asleep mid-sex. So we get an idea that he has some sort of, like, narcoleptic sex disorder. I don't know what it's called, but I've heard of this disorder before. Um, and she's really frustrated. Like, damn it. Come on, wake up. Not again. Um... We get a shot of Billy up in the attic in his rocking chair and Constance looks up and we see a light bulb and I'm like, oh God, please someone cut cut the fucking power to this fucking light because this is not a good idea. Um, Constance, I'm not going to get too much into this because gross. Constance goes upstairs into the attic and we see her like strut across the floor and she sits on Billy's lap in the rocking chair we get a title card which says nine months later and baby Agnes has been born. Um, <laughs> great. So Constance and the boyfriend are like looking lovingly down at this baby and there's movement in the ceiling because the shat- chandelier rattles. And Constance just looks up and goes, she's my family now. Like, what a bitch! So present day. We follow Eve from behind as she's, like, walking toward the front door. And Miss Mac is like, oh, Eve, let me find your present. And she starts digging through the pile under the trees. And she finds it. And she's like, here, to Eve from Santa. And she looks. And this is what makes me think Heather gave the gift back is because Eve's not standing there. But, like, the paper, it looks like the paper she wrapped Heather's gift in is, like, lying on the floor. I can't tell if the gift is in there or not. But Eve has disappeared. Um, Melissa's like, is there somewhere Eve needs to be? And Dana's like, probably the Island of Misfit Toys. Like, ooh, what a bitch. Um, Miss Mac is like, hey, her mother was a legacy. And Dana's like, okay, and her mother's dead. Like, she has no boyfriend. She has no family. She has no reason to leave anyways. Like, what is she doing? And this is where Lauren really wins me because Miss Mac is like, oh, Lauren hasn't gotten the gift yet. And Dana hands her a shot of tequila and goes, just give her a shot of tequila and wish her a happy holidays. Lauren throws back this shot of tequila and she chases it down with her wine. And I'm like, we stand like we have no choice but to like that is a bad bitch right there. We actually get a POV shot. Very similar to the original movie of someone, like, coming up to the house. But it's not much. Then we're back in and Miss Mac got some, like, sultry little lingerie from the girls for Christmas. And she's like, does it come with a man to wear it for? Another thing I want to take a minute to drop in here is the fact that this Miss Mac is, like, light years different than the original. Um, While the original was also kind of a partier and, like, an alcoholic... This Miss Mac seems to just be, like, a rule-following, kind of, like, goody-two-shoes house mother. Like, she seems like a really sweet lady, but she doesn't like when they swear. And she seems to be, like, <clears throat> more, like, about the rules. But then they go to get her the real gift they got her. The phone rings again. Melissa's like, I got it. It's Megan's cell. And they answer it, and we hear this really creepy voice say she's my family now and they continue to say some like really weird creepy shit subtitles are telling us this is billy's voice 
And at one point, he mimics Melissa, and he's like, everyone should be home for Christmas. And he goes, I'll be home for Christmas. Kelly runs upstairs to check on Megan. Um, Heather comes out of her room while she's running by, like, what's going on? And Kelly's like, someone just called from Megan's phone. I'm going to go check on her. So Kelly goes to Megan's room, and the door bursts open, and she screams. Everyone downstairs is, like, alert, and they get up. Lauren, this is when Lauren realizes she's really drunk because she's been, like, lounging in this chair for most of the movie. But you already know, if you've drank a lot at a party before, it's not until you stand up that you realize how inebriated you are. And Lauren tries to stand up and she almost falls back down. And the girls have to, like, help her out. (laughs) They all get upstairs. It's cool. It's just Kyle. He claims that he wanted to bust in, he wanted to, like, sneak in and see Kelly so he didn't disturb anybody. Um, we can actually see behind Kyle in Megan's room that the sex tape Megan was watching is still up on the computer screen. And Miss Mac goes, okay, was Megan in her room? He goes, I don't know, it was dark. Was it dark? Because I don't think it was that dark. But Lauren, mind you, it's so funny when they all come up the stairs. Lauren, like, stumbles into frame and has to, like, balance herself on the banister. But she goes, do you think we're stupid? Like, the call came from Megan's phone. You were in Megan's room. Like, clearly it was you. Melissa's like, I'm sorry. That was not Kyle. That was not Megan. That was the fucking devil. That was Billy Lenz. And Kyle's like, what about Billy Lenz? And Lauren's like, he's our fucking life. And Kyle is like, um, you know, I grew up here and I had to deal with the legends of Billy and you spoiled bitches just come here every year and live in this house. But no, like I grew up here and they're like, what happened? And Kyle goes, you mean after he washed down his Christmas cookies? I love you, Oliver Hudson. I'm so sorry. No shade. It's just, it's so spectacular to see this lisp and how far you've come since. Okay, we then go back to 1991. And Billy is up in the attic. Um, He got a card from his mom, which I feel like is kind of like a big kick in the face while you're also locked in the attic by her. Um... He's using his telescope to look in the windows of other families who are celebrating Christmas, and he seems a little peeved. (laughs) Downstairs, Agnes is opening presents while Constance watch her, and Constance looks horrifying at this point. She is a disheveled woman. Um, (laughs) very, very scary. She looks like a hobbit from Lord of the Rings, and she has gotten Agnes this baby doll. That's as seen on TV. They hear a noise upstairs. And Agnes is like, was that Santa's reindeer? And Constance goes, no one's up there. Like, what is your deal, Constance? Like, let her live. Let her be a child. But Constance then asks Agnes, like, do you want a Christmas cookie? You're my Christmas cookie. I could gobble you up. Um, She goes into the kitchen. And the phone rings. She answers it. And we hear Billy say, she's my family now. 
And Constance is like, what? So she drops her phone, drops her cigarette, and she runs out in the living room. Agnes is no longer there. She takes a step into the room, and she realizes she has stepped on one of the eyes of this baby doll she got Agnes. She automatically, her and the, her new man, start running to the attic, like cussing Billy out, like, what the fuck did you do? Um, They get up into the attic. Billy is not there. But we hear Agnes scream back downstairs. And they go back down, and we see that Billy has Agnes with a bag over her head behind the Christmas tree. And he proceeds to rip out one of her eyes and eat it! Yum! Um, the, the mom's boyfriend goes to charge at Billy, and he takes, like, an ice pick sort of thing and just shoves it through Homeboy's eye. And, like, it goes through his head, and his eye pops out the other side. And I'm like, I don't know if that's that's how it happened. But, like, Constance is freaking out. Billy comes over, and he wraps the string of lights around her neck and starts to choke her out. Okay, this gets really gross. He then drags her into the kitchen, and he, oh my god, like, he bludgeons her with a rolling pin, really hard, and then he takes these, um, cookie cutters, and he puts them into her back, um, he takes the little cookie-cutted, cookie-cut skin slabs, throws them on a baking sheet, and throws them in the oven. The police show up, and they find Agnes injured and crying, and they find Billy dunking these cookies in milk and eating them. They do, like, a close-up on his mouth while he's eating, and it's really disgusting. Um, we find out that he gets committed to the hospital, and we find out that Agnes is sent to an orphanage, and she's probably not going to get adopted. Back to present day, the girls hear the door slam in the basement, and they go to check it out, and we see this woman facing away from them. They're like, Claire, is that you? And then they get closer, and this woman's like, she was supposed to call? And she turns around and she goes, I'm Claire's sister. And this is done like a reveal. And let me tell you, the reveal is that's Madison Lake from Malignant. And I'm going, I don't know specifically which podcasts have said this, but multiple podcasts have said that this girl is giving Gabriel from Malignant. (laughs) And they're right! Like, I am so mad because they are absolutely right. If you look at Gabriel's design in Malignant, and then you look at this character, this is Gabriel from Malignant. Down to the hair down to the coat. Um, now, as for why they do this dramatic reveal, I don't know. Like, I feel like it would make more sense to do do this dramatic of a reveal for Andrea Martin, who was in the original movie. They kind of make it seem like with this reveal that this is like an actress from the original. And I don't know why they do that. My best guess is that Glenn Morgan directed this film, and Kristen Cloak, who plays this character... Wants his wife. I don't know. So they're all kind of giving her the third degree here. They're like, whoa. They look at her ID and her last name says Colvin. Claire's last name is Crosby. And Lee is like, the divorce will be final soon. Um, They're like, when did you get here? They're asking her all these questions. Lee's like, 
Look, I had to drive out here in this shitty, shitty weather. It's been disgusting. It was terrible. I can't get a hold of Claire. And Dana just steps up and cuts her off and goes, I love that coat. I also love that coat. I also love that coat. Yes, it is Gabriel from Malignant, but I think this coat is kind. <laughs> she, like, at this point, they're very sus of her. They're getting weird phone calls. They don't know who this lady is. And... Lee claims she went to this sorority when she was younger, but she really hated it. And they're, like, still sus of her. She's like, I don't really know Claire that well either. You guys probably know her better than me. And she looks down under the tree and she's like, oh, I see Billy still gets a present. That, you know, um, and she goes, oh, this is different. This is two you girls from Billy. And they're like, um, that was not there before. They open up the gift, and it's wrapped in newspaper. They open the box, and it is Agnes's eyeless baby doll. Back upstairs, Kelly and Kyle are in Megan's room. And Kelly's like, well, let me go look at the computer and see if there's, like, an email or something that says where she's at. Kyle grabs her up like, no, 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 no need to do that. <laughs> We're good. Um, I don't feel comfortable going through people's stuff. And she's like, dude, Kyle, like, I don't get it. Like, Megan was a bitch to me. That never happens. Like, what, what's going on? Like, I want to know where she is. Her car's still here. Like, there's no way she's just, like, out walking around. They hear a noise up in the attic. And Kyle's like, you know what it is? The attic window just opened. She must be up there. Again, why? They're trying to figure out downstairs who put this gift there. And Lauren's like, she found it. She put it there. And Lee's like, are you actually giving me shit right now? Like, none of you can tell me where my sister is. And she kind of gives us the lowdown about her and Claire's relationship a little bit. But she is in Claire's room now, Lee is. And she's kind of telling them, like, you guys probably knew her better than I did. I'm 12 years older. No shade to this actress, okay? Because let me tell you one thing. Kristen Cloak is giving in this movie like she looks better in this movie than she did in final destination like she looks great but that would be telling us that she's 34 and i just really don't believe that <laughs> like i think maybe she's like late 30s early 40s i would say but like a, a brisk 34 i can't say but she states how she's like, yeah, like, you know, Claire always felt like the older one. Like, she really wanted us to have a relationship, and she was always reaching out. We go back downstairs, and Heather's like, oh my god, look! The present that was wrapped for us from Billy was wrapped with the same paper that Eve wrapped my present in. So let me go upstairs. Maybe she's, like, obsessed with him or something. <laughs> like, what? Like that is so rude. Like, maybe she just found this paper in the room, but no. Automatically, because she's an outcast, she's obsessed with this serial killer. So Heather takes upstairs to Eve's room, because she is in the room Billy used to be in. Um, and she goes to look around for clues. Lauren throws up all over the table. <laughs> Lauren has had too much to drink, and she's hit her breaking point. We hate to see it. Um, but meanwhile, the power goes out. And Kelly and Kyle are looking out Megan's window, and her computer, like, it has the screensaver up at this point. And because of the power outage, the screensaver goes away and it gives the notification, like, you are now running on battery power. 
And we see in the video that Kyle is hitting Megan from the back. And Kelly looks down and she's like, interesting. And Kyle's like, it was before you. I didn't even know you then. He claims that he didn't put this on the internet. And then the guy from work got mad at him and decided to put these tapes all over the internet. And that's a little weird because I was under the impression that, like, maybe Megan did. Like, it seems like Megan's maybe mad at... Like, I don't know. I may have been misinterpreting this thing the whole time. I thought that maybe Megan was watching the tape because, like, she wanted to fuck Kyle again. But it, it isn't until this watch I'm kind of putting two and two together that Megan could have been calling Kyle, like, why the fuck is this video online? And Kelly's like, how many tapes do you have, you fucking liar? Um, Heather goes up into Eve's room, and there is a Billy collage on the wall. So maybe Eve is obsessed with Billy. So Heather, mind you, is completely dark. She's using her phone light. She finds this box in, like, this hidey space in Eve's closet with, like, articles about, like, Billy killing the family, and then she finds, like, Frank's military picture. She finds something else we don't see, but her phone dies. And we hear Kelly yell, Get out! Get the fuck out! We go back down, and Kelly is, like, trying to kick Kyle out of the house. Everyone comes upstairs to kind of see what's going on. And Kyle yells at Kelly, shut the fuck up! And Lee's like, hey, calm down! And in this commotion, Lauren starts to throw up, and Melissa's like, I got her. Takes her to the bathroom and lets her puke. Um, (laughs) Lauren is a mess. Kyle's like, you know what, Kelly, I get you for being upset with me, but, like, It's not like I was dealing. I wasn't, like, robbing 7-Elevens. Like, it could have been much worse. Like, I like you a lot. And he walks out, and he's like, Fuck you, bitches. (laughs) And Miss Mac pushes him out. Almost pushes him down the stairs, so he's gone. There's there's this really funny part where Kelly is sitting down with her face in her hands, like, near tears. And Dana comes up with... (laughs) She comes up with Lee, and she goes... Honey, this is Claire's sister. And Kelly does not make a single effort to acknowledge her. And Lee's kind of just like, uh, okay. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> um, then Lee points out the fact that their house is the only house on the block without power. Interesting. So back in the bathroom, we have like this little moment between Lauren and Melissa where Lauren's throwing up and Melissa is like, a G because she's got like the damp rag and she's putting it on Lauren's head. She's like blowing on her forehead, holding her hair back. And Lauren goes, you're a better sister to me than my own sister. And Mel's like, yeah, Dick Cheney's a better sister to you than your own sister. Um, and then she tells her like, I love you too, honey, but like you really need to take a shower. You smell. So like we get this idea that like Lauren and Melissa go a bit further back and they have like a bit of a tighter bond. Again, like one of the rare occasions we get in this movie where like there is some sort of a character. There is some sort of a character being shown for these girls. So Lauren, she goes to take a shower and as she's walking across the floor, she keeps pulling up tiles with her feet. Um they're like sticking and she goes into the shower, and as she's showering, we see Billy's eye under this floor tile, and he's watching her, and it's like, not unless this floor is cardboard. Like, the way he's watching, the the view he gets, and like, the amount of space between him and the floor, it looks like it'd be very easy to fall through this floor just walking over it. <laughs> 
Um, but he watches her shower. And eventually Melissa comes in and she's like, hey girl, um, I put a bucket by your bed. Um, she goes and lays her down. She's like, all right, night drunkie. More like flips her off. So downstairs, Dana is trying to fuse box and it doesn't work. And she's like, damn, it must be the main breaker. And Lee's like, well, where's the main breaker? And Dana's like, it's under the house. And Lee looks shocked, like she knows this information. And Dana's like, what? I'm not the helpless daddy's girl these bitches make me out to be. So, like, this is, like, a little detail we get about Dana, is that she's a daddy's girl. <laughs> That's it! <laughs> Dana, I feel like, and I said this already, is, like, the girl we know least about, which I feel like is kind of a crime, because I actually like her character a lot. Like, I would kind of like to see, like, a moment where everyone was like, Dana, you think you're better than everybody, and it's just not the case. Like, I would really like to see that. Like, all these other girls seem to have some sort of, like, a per- their personality pop out at some point, but not really her. So Lee tells her, like, go fix it. And Dana's like, are you high? It's freezing outside. And Lee's like, okay, well, you know where it is, so just go and do it. And Dana's like, whatever. So she goes outside, and, like, you know how when you quit smoking cigarettes... <laughs> you have like you see people smoking cigarettes in movies or tv and it's like oh my god like that looks so good well i no longer smoke cigarettes but in this particular scene every time i see it i want one because dana steps out the front door and she just like shakes her hair and she takes her cigarette out and she puts it to her lips and she lights it and she's got like this ruby red nail polish and it's so cunt She's, like, sitting there, like, smoking it and looking all hot. And the water from an icicle above drops down on her hot and puts her cigarette out. She's like, fuck. So she drops it in this little hole in the deck. And something scurries down there. And she's like, um, what? <laughs> so even after this, she proceeds to go down to the crawl space. And she opens up, like, the door to get in there. And she's looking around, and apparently she sees someone, and she just goes, Eve, you crazy bitch, I can see your breath. She is snatched in. She's pulled in full speed, and she has a struggle with this person. They're, like, fighting under the house. Um, Eventually, Dana is able to grab, like, I think it's, like, a hand rake, and she gets the person, they're wearing, like, a red onesie, it looks like, she gets the person in the arm and then this person pulls the handbrake out of their arm and gets Dana right in the back of the head. This this kill in particular is really morbid to me. I don't know why. It's just like we see Dana get stabbed and she's fighting and then she just goes completely blank. And then we see like the force of the rake getting pulled out of her head and we see like her face twitch and stuff. It's really spooky. But we see that this whole time she's been struggling and digging, she's actually accidentally been unveiling Frank's corpse. So his skull is just right there under her hand. So the girls are all sitting around in the living room, and Kelly gets a call on her cell phone. It's Dana's cell. And they answer it, and they automatically hear screaming. And then we hear, she's my family now. So everybody puts on their coats. And let me tell you, like, uh, this may be, I don't know what, the girls are studying at this university in the sorority 
But they definitely took a class in, like, great coats. Because all of them have great coats. Like, Melissa's got, like, this, like, really nice red one. Kelly's got, like, a typical, like, snowy one with a furry hood. And then Lee's got her, like, iconic coat. Heather's got, like, a noir detective coat, but it's serving. Kelly and Melissa run around to the back of the house, and Heather notices Eve's car is still there. Um, so then, Kelly and Melissa get to the other side of the house. Kelly eats shit. She wipes out. And this is, she notices there's, like, bloody scratch marks on the door on the outside of the door to under the crawl space, except for Dana was drug in, like, with the door open, so, like, there's no way that these scratch marks could be from Dana. But I'll let it slide. Um, approaching Eve's car, though, Heather notices that Eve is in there, and she's like, is she sleeping in her car? It's, like, zero degrees out. She pulls open the door, and Eve's head promptly tumbles out. And her and Lee start screaming. And then Kelly and Melissa come over. They're freaking out. They go in the house and Miss Mac is like, what the fuck is going on? Kelly calls the police and she's like, hello, hello, yeah, a girl's been murdered. And Miss Mac is just like, oh, he's home. And Melissa tells her like, no, Miss Mac, this is not Billy. Billy's dead. I'm like, where did you hear that in the story? Where, where did you hear that? Because I did not hear that once at all. I heard he was in a, like, a psychiatric hold. But, like, I have not heard of him being dead. Killed his family at Christmas, back when I was a kid. You know, a lot of people say he's dead. Okay. Um, Kelly gets in touch with the police and finds out, due to the weather and fallen branches and whatnot, that the police can't be there for, like, two hours. Um, and Miss Mac is like, all right, well, we're going to be out of here in two minutes. Heather, get your, get your purse. And Heather goes and grabs her purse. Melissa's like, oh shit, I should probably go grab Lauren. Um, Miss Mac's like ready to go to the police. And Kelly's like, well, no, because like not all of us are here. And Emily goes, that's right. I'm choosing to believe that my sister is alive. And when she does come home, it won't be to an empty house. There's a dead body. Your sister's car is still here. She hasn't left. No one can find her. Like, maybe it would be a good move to go to the police. I don't know. Kelly goes like, it'd be best if we all stuck together. And Heather's like, all right, fine. Then get your coats. And then she yells, Mel, we're leaving. Let's go. And Mel yells back, I'm not leaving Lauren, you bitch. And I do get the vibe that Heather is a bitch. <laughs> kind of love her for it, though. So at this point, Miss Mac gives Kelly a hug. And she says, we'll get the police here as soon as possible. Like, you know, we're going. So her and Heather go out. And Lee and Kelly decide to watch from the window to watch them leave. But they can't really get a good view. So they end up going to Lauren's room. Um, Miss Mac gets in the car, and Heather's having a bit of a hard time opening her door, and she's, like, pulling it. She keeps looking back at Eve's car, and she's, like, really spooked out. And the door just slams open. Miss Mac has literally kicked the door open with both her feet. Um, 
So at this point, Kelly and Lee get up in the room and they see like the headlights. They see the back of the car. Miss Mac pulls out a snowbrush and goes, here you go, and hands it to Heather. Like the car's covered in snow. Heather looks at this thing like it's an alien weapon from a different dimension. And she just goes, what is that thing? And Miss Mac is over it. She gets out of the car and she starts um, brushing the snow off. She's like, fucking privileged southern princess, little bitch. Like, going off. <laughs> like, she's been such, like, a sweet old lady this whole time. And then this girl not <laughs> brushing snow off her car really set her off. Like, granted, like, maybe I can understand because Heather's from the South. I don't think it snows much in the South. But still, like, I think you can gather clues together and figure out what that is. Um... But Miss Mac brushes, brushes snow off one section and she sees an eye and yellow skin and she's in the car and she's like, what? The car jolts a little bit and we see blood just splatter all over the windshield. Miss Heather is out for the count. Don't know what happened to her. She could have had a throat slit, could have been bludgeoned. It's kind of the same thing with the Santa at the hospital. Like we don't really know what happened, but we get an idea. Miss Mac is horrified and she backs up and smacks into like the wall and she looks up and her bumping into it causes an icicle to fall from the roof and it impales her through the head. Ouch. She, so up in the room, Kelly and Lee are like, why haven't they left yet? Like they've been there for a minute. They decide to go check on them and they tell Melissa to stay with Lauren. So Kelly and Lee go outside, and they go downstairs, and Lee slips, and she pulls her hand up and realizes she's slipped in a puddle of blood, and she starts screaming. Kelly starts screaming. They hear someone approach the gate. These next two events, I'm actually not sure in which sequence they happen, because I've seen, like I said, I've seen this movie so many times, I know what happened here. But for some reason, in the Stars version, they did not include Lauren's death, which I know happens at some point. So I'll just throw it in wherever. Um, Melissa hears this screaming, and she runs to the staircase, and she's yelling for Kelly. Just then, a bag is pulled over her head, and she starts screaming. The killer is wrestling with her, and eventually, Miss Melissa is able to, like, elbow the person in the gut and rip the bag off her head, and she runs into this other room. I'm not sure whose room it is. And she's trying to... She's, like, fiddling with the window, trying to get it open. And the killer enters the room, and Melissa grabs a ski pole and starts hitting them with it, like, repeatedly. Like, yes, bitch, fuck them up! I love Melissa. Um... But then Melissa, once the killer is down, runs to get the window again. And the killer looks over and sees some ice skates. <laughs> um, Melissa gets the window open. And just as she's about to climb out, the killer chucks the ice skates at Melissa. And it chops the top of her head off. And it's so gross. We see her scalp, like, hit the wall and fall to the floor. Ugh. Um... Fun fact, and I think they actually, in canon, went with her UK death. 
Um, in the UK, basically, she never got the bag off her head. Both her eyes were gouged out, and she was drugged by her eye sockets down the hallway. Ooh, that's so fun. I hate it. Thanks. I'm glad that we got the American version. Especially because Miss Michelle Trachtenberg had just filmed a little movie before Black Christmas. A movie called Ice Princess, where she played an ice skater. <laughs> just a fun little tidbit. Um, we then go to Lauren, who is sleeping in bed. This is disturbing. Um, She's like... Tossing and turning, Billy slips into bed with her and he starts like touching on her. And at first she's liking it because she's like kind of like dreaming about it. But then she starts to wake up and she's like, who the fuck is touching me? She sees Heather's unicorn statue on the nightstand next to her like that wasn't there before. She grabs it and she swings around to stab the person, but there's no one there. Just then, the second killer jumps on top of her and straddles her and then brings down the unicorn statue on her. And that's all we see. So Kelly and Lee run back into the house and they run up to Lauren's room and they're like, where's Melissa? They close the door and they're like asking Lauren, like, where's Melissa? Where's Melissa? And Lauren is like slumped. She's like in bed with her arm just like over her face they hear footsteps outside the door, and the door busts open. It's Kyle. And Leah attacks him, and he pushes her back, and she falls into Lauren's bed, which makes Lauren's arm fall. And we see Lauren has no eyes. Everyone's screaming. And Kyle's like, there's two dead bodies outside. And Lee's like, maybe you did it. And he's like, maybe you did that. And Kelly goes, no, he didn't. I can prove it. She pulls out her phone and she calls Melissa. Um, I should have also included, there's a point where she goes in the room and she can't find Melissa and she sends the greatest text message I've ever seen. Mind you, this is 2006. So like, we only have like the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine keys to text. We don't have letters. And she just texts Melissa, you at, she goes, you, the letter you, at symbol, question mark. Um, but at this point she goes, I can prove that's not Kyle. So she calls Melissa and here's where I'm really confused is we hear Melissa's phone ringing and the camera pans up to the ceiling and we see like a light. Okay. That dims down when the call ends. So like, oh, her phone's upstairs. First and foremost, how, how does this prove Kyle innocent? He could have put the phone up there. Second of all, how thin are the walls and ceilings in this house to where you can quite literally see the light of Melissa's phone when you're calling it and it's in the attic? I don't know. <laughs> so that's really weird because Kelly gets a phone call and we hear the voice go, where is Agnes? And then like, I guess Kelly decides to play along. She just goes, what have you done, Billy? <laughs> Like, go, girl. <laughs> I guess that could work. The voice is like, she's my family now. Um, They hang up the phone and Kelly's like, the killer's in the attic. And there's someone else there, too. 
So they leave the room and Kyle is making way for the front door. And Kelly and Lee are like going towards the attic. And he's like, um, what are you doing? And Kelly's like, Claire might be alive. I heard multiple voices. And Kyle's like, look, Heather's not alive. Miss Mac is not alive. Eva's not alive. Like, we need to go. And Claire's like, well, unless I see my sister dead, I'm assuming she's alive. And I'm like, okay, you're crazy. (laughs) And Kyle goes, um, or no, I'm sorry. Kelly's like, well, if I had a sister, I would want to be here for her too. And Kyle goes, how would you know? You don't have a sister. (laughs) Again, Oliver, I'm sorry. You are very, a very great actor and you're very hot. But again, I'm, I'm just very glad that like you have gotten past the list. Like, I'm so happy for you. Um, he goes, how would you know? You don't have a sister. And Lee goes, yes, she does. And Kelly kind of gives her this look. Kyle's like, all right, we're going in. He pulls out a fucking switchblade. (laughs) And he's like, let's go. So they go to the attic and Kelly has her flashlight. And Kyle's like, I'm going to open the door, shine the flashlight up, see if we see anything. We're going to look. If she's not up there, we're out. They're like, okay. So Kyle climbs the ladder and he pushes open the, the attic door. And they're looking in with the light. And all of a sudden, Kyle just gets snatched into the attic. Um, bag over his head and all. Um, Kelly and Lee freak out and they climb up to help him. But, like, the killer hat is, like, on top of Kyle on top of the door. So they can't get through. And they're having a struggle. The killer tries to bring down... I think it's the unicorn statue on him. But he, like, grabs her arm and, like, throws it away. And they fall, and Lee and Kelly are able to get up into the attic. And just then, the killer catches up to Kyle and plunges it through his eye and kills him. Lee attacks the killer. She's thrown across the attic. Kelly attacks the killer. She's thrown across the attic. But Lee hits the rocking chair and looks up, and Claire's head just, like, falls down. Still in the bag. Still in this this fucking opaque black bag and here comes Lee. Claire! Oh my god! No. No, you didn't know what outfit she was wearing. Do you know her body type by heart? Like, <laughs> I'm I'm so lost. How do we all know this is Claire? But like, wh- I don't know. We start to hear s- flesh squelching and Kelly looks very disturbed. She looks over, and the killer is holding up both of Kyle's eyeballs on, like, the strings that, like, I guess... I don't know what the hell they're called. Like, the things that connect them to his head. <laughs> and... She she says, He's my family now. It's also the first look we get at the killer's face. And the killer has a golden eye. So the killer here is Agnes. Um, she begins to lift the eyes up above her head and swallow them. Um, Lee is disturbed and she backs up and she ends up, you know how like in some attics, like it's just like the, um, what's it called? The foam in the like ceiling. There's no like floor. So she ends up stepping onto that part and she falls through the floor. And she's, like, hanging on for dear life. 
And like disgusting, we get a shot of Agnes chewing one of these eyeballs and it squirts at the camera. Like, disgusting! Ugh! Um, Kelly goes to help Lee, and Lee's still in the floor. Agnes starts lift, l- 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 <laughs> lighting candles, and we see that all of the sisters are, like, dead. Like, there's a Christmas tree with, like, eyeballs as ornaments. Megan's dead body is posted there, leaning up against the tree. Eve's, Eve's head is playing the star. And then Melissa is on the other side. This is why I said that the UK death is canon, is because she has no eyes. But also, there's no, like, cut in her scalp or anything. She just looks normal, besides not having eyes. I'm also going to take a moment to point out, so, like, Billy is obviously our main antagonist here. He was carried over from the original. Um, Billy does not scare me at all. Like, he, like I said, he, there's something a little dopey about him, just his being in general. But Agnes, on the other hand, Agnes is really freaky. She's got, like, this dirty, stringy, blonde hair, and she's got, like, that golden eye, and it's really unnerving and unsettling. And then she, um, she's just so hulking and threatening, You know, they went the route usually when they cast, like, a scary woman, like, a mutated scary woman or something like that. Like, they cast a man. So they casted a man to play Agnes. At this point, Agnes is like, you're my family now. And she goes to approach them, and Lee's like, um, I'm out. And she just falls through the floor. (laughs) And Kelly's like, oh my god, no, Lee. You fell through the floor. And Agnes starts approaching her, and Kelly's like, looks like a pretty good idea (laughs) so she tries to climb into the floor but Agnes like snatches her and throws her across the room she tries to get out of the attic door and she can't Agnes throws this bag over her head and Kelly's like struggling Agnes brings down the unicorn statue to stab her in the face and Kelly like quick like moves her head and she ends up stabbing the floor and the statue shatters But through this action, it causes a candle to fall off the table, which sets a piece of wrapping paper on fire. So Kelly rolls out of the way. She gets the bag off her head. She's able to grab that, um, I don't know, Lee had brought it up, the thing that Miss Mac was toasting marshmallows with. And she gets Agnes in the wrong eye. She gets her in the golden eye. And they pause for a minute. And we watch as Agnes jerks this thing out of her eye and pulls the fake eye with it. And she's kind of looking at Kelly like, uh, you thought you did something. <laughs> you thought I was feeling that? We stand Ice Spice in this house. Happy holidays, Ice Spice. But then Kelly's like, you know what? Your brother isn't here to save you. And Agnes goes, you're right. My daddy's here. Then we get some, like, orchestral, like, Frankenstein Universal Monsters music. And Billy just, like, climbs out of the attic floorboards. This is where Kelly starts freaking out. And, um, so there's a struggle. Agnes goes to wrap the string lights around Kelly's neck. And Kelly struggles and eventually ends up being this thing where Agnes falls. Like, there's, like, a section in the back of the attic where there's, like, a gap in between, like, 
the wall and the, the walls like in the house so like agnes falls down this gap to like the very bottom of the house and kelly ends up falling too but she catches herself she falls a little bit further though and this string of lights is like pulling a bunch of shit with it so now kelly is in the wall and she's pounding on it screaming for lee okay We see that Agnes is making her way up. She's climbing up the walls and Billy's climbing down and Kelly's in the middle. So at this point, Lee wakes up and she hears Kelly and she runs into Eve's room, Billy's old room, and she takes like this hand weight and starts trying to break it through the wall. And we hear Kelly go, I'm below you. I'm below you. Billy busts his arms through and like grabs Lee up by the face and she smacks his arm with the weight and she runs off bad bitch she runs into the laundry room and she hears kelly like right up against the wall and she starts slamming the weight into the wall busts a hole in it and at this point agnes has kelly's boot and billy has her hood and lee is pulling her through this hole she pulls her completely through and the flames that were in the attic like start to engulf the wall and we see billy's arm like rapidly going back and forth he's screaming Um, so the girls start to kind of like, they grab paint thinner and they start to throw it on the floor and throw it all over. I don't know why, but there's this shot of Lee's shoes like running across the floor, like (laughs) scurrying across the floor. I think it's just so funny and I don't know why they put it in there, but they link arms and they bolt out of the house. Like Lee snatches this coat off the coat hanger. It falls to the floor and they run out they're out we go to the university hospital and there's a news report about how billy lens and his sister went on like a killing spree at the sorority house okay and we see that kelly's in a hospital bed and lee is sitting next to her and kelly's like how long could they have been there and lee's like we're never gonna know don't think about the it. The killer though. is everywhere. I respect the sentiment, but I just feel like that'd be rather hard not to think about. <laughs> um, but then Lee pulls out the present she got from Claire. And I'm still confused because we get a shot of it earlier and we see there's like a little note written for her. And I'm like, did Agnes do this? Because really all Claire wrote was Lee, comma. But whatever. Lee asked Claire, I'm sorry, Lee asked Kelly, like, since I can't open this in front of my own sister, can I open it in front of you? And Kelly's like, yeah, of course. And they hold hands, and Lee opens the gift and sees it's a watch with family forever engraved into it. And she starts crying. This nurse comes in and remarks, like, oh, this door, oh my god, it's jammed. It's been having issues. I keep telling someone to come and fix it. Um, but basically, um, the technicians are leaving for the holiday soon, so Kelly needs to get her x-rays. And Lee is like, yes, I will wait here. So, in the morgue, there's this guy who's talking on the phone with his wife who's frustrated that he won't be home for the holidays, and he's like, do you think I'm psyched about this either? Like, I don't want to be here doing this. I'm like, yeah, I can't imagine you want to be there doing that on Christmas. Like, maybe she should give you a little bit of a break. (laughs) But he hears like a rustling in the body bags. He opens up Agnes and she is non-responsive. But then he goes up to open up Billy's and Billy just springs out of the bag. He grabs a bone saw and we see this mortician's... Is that what he's called? A mortician? 
The morgue worker's blood just squirt all over the place as the saw whirs. <laughs> Billy then helps a very much alive Agnes out of her bed. Um, so back to Lee. She has gone to the bathroom or something. And as she's walking out of Kelly's room, she hears Kelly's door shut. She's like, hmm. So she goes back into the room and Kelly's facing away from her, laying in the bed. And Lee's like, Kelly, I, I thought you had to get your x-rays. And she approaches. Agnes throws the blankets off herself and grabs up Lee by the neck and starts to strangle her. And she just goes, forever. And then snaps her neck. The killer is on the loose. So then Kelly comes back into the room and she's like, where's Lee? And Lee's like, oh, I don't know. She probably went to the bathroom or something. And puts her back in bed. So as the nurse leaves Kelly, Kelly finds the watch that Lee got under her bed and or under her pillow and there's a bloody thumbprint on it where did this blood come from because there's usually not blood when you snap someone's neck but i don't know she then looks up in the ceiling and there's more blood in the fluorescent light so she's like oh shit she hops up and she's trying to get out of the room but the door's fucked so she can't um she's pressing the emergency call button and we see that these guys working at the front desk are preoccupied by carolers even though, like, this thing is beeping really loud. Like, maybe pay attention to it. But, like, Kelly is in her room, like, pounding on the door, freaking out. One of the ceiling tiles slide open. And Agnes just starts making her way down. Kelly turns around and sees the shock paddles, I'm going to call them. The clear. Um, the clear things. Um, so she starts to charge these paddles up. And the curtain flies open and Agnes grabs her and starts to kind of choke her out. We hear that, like the things are ready to go. How was my sound effect? I thought it was great. Um, and Kelly gets out of her grasp and hits her in the face with both shocked paddles and just fries her. Agnes is out. But now Kelly goes back to the door and we see that Billy is making his way out of the ceiling now. She's like, oh no. So she grabs, like, an IV pole and shatters the window and then reaches her arm through and opens the door and she gets out. Billy follows her out of the door and his walk down the hallway is a little silly. <laughs> like, again, like, there's something so comedic about this, Billy. I don't know what it is. It's not, like, it's not even the fact that he's got, like, this yellow skin. It's just, like, his facial expression and he looks a little short. He just looks very unassuming and unthreatening. But as he's walking, Kelly starts to just beat the shit out of him with a crutch. And then she goes, Merry Christmas, motherfucker, and throws the crutch down next to him. Like, here's a weapon. She goes to run off, and of course, he uses the crutch to trip her, and she falls. She gets back up, and she goes to run, and there's a nurse coming out of a room, and she just crashes into the cart and knocks all his shit all over the place, and she goes to run, Billy picks up a scalpel that fell as he's walking through. And Kelly and Billy go through this door. And he is just, like, viciously stabbing her in the back with this scalpel. And eventually he has her up against the balcony. And he's, like, choking her over it. And he's about to stab her. She gets the upper hand, though, and flips around and flips him over the, over the railing. And he ends up falling and impaling himself directly on top of the Christmas tree. And it's, like, really gross. Like, we see, like, his entrails and his, like, 
whatever, just like hugging the star of the tree, like pulsating. And everyone's screaming, and we get a shot of Kelly looking down at him, like, yeah, I did that. And it's like a really cool shot because in the background of her, we see the shadow of Billy's body on the tree, but it like it's changing from like red to green lights. And movie ends. And that's it. Alright, so normally how I do these is like I like I said, I do the original and then I do the remake and then I compare them and whatnot. This one's gonna be a little trickier because there's three renditions of it. So I think the best course to do this would kind of just like explain this like I did the original and like what I liked about it, what I didn't like, and save the like final comparisons for the end. There will or the next one. There will still be some comparisons in here, but like Whatever, you'll see, let's get into it. Okay, so what I really like about this, like, this remake is that they deviated a lot from the original with still paying, like, homage, is that it, homage, to the original and the elements it had. You know, it felt very Christmassy. They kept the phone calls in there. They even had the same thing with the drunk girl being murdered by the unicorn statue which are elements I really like that they kept. It makes it feel very close and in relation with the original. I also want to take this time to get into some IMDb fun facts about this movie, so let's do that. Um, this film was marketed as a Final Destination film in Japan. I think that's so funny because I don't know what screams Final Destination about this. The only thing I could possibly think is that it's got Mary Elizabeth Winstead and Yankee Cristolo, who were in Final Destination 3. It has Glenn Morgan, who had something to do with, like, directing or something in Final Destination 3. And it also has Kristen Cloak, who was in Final Destination 1. So, like, maybe that's why. <laughs> I couldn't tell ya. But, yeah, Final Destination... It was marketed as a Final Destination film in Japan. This is a fact I really like, is that all of the last names of our sisters, our main characters, they were given to them after artists who famously sang Christmas songs. And let's go through that list. We have Kelly Presley, obviously Elvis Presley. We have Melissa Kitt, who, Eartha Kitt. Um, Dana Mathis, Johnny Mathis, Claire Crosby, Bing Crosby, Lee Colvin, Sean Colvin, Megan Helms, Bobby Helms, Heather Lee Fitzgerald, Brenda Lee and Ella Fitzgerald, so she's got two, Queen B. Lauren and Eve seem to be, be the exception, like I don't think any artist with their last names made Christmas music, but whatever, it's still a really fun fact. And then, of course, Miss Mac doesn't count because they just took her name from the original movie. Billy Lenz was based off of Ed Kemper, who was a serial killer who had some mommy issues. And I feel like he may have been a little cannibalistic. I don't know. But it makes total sense once you read it. I thought that was a really interesting fact. I mentioned last week that I've been listening to this podcast called Morbid, and they did an episode on Ed Kemper. I can totally see that. Um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead was initially going to be casted as Kelly, but she was fresh off of Final Destination 3. Or, I don't know if she was going to be Kelly, but I think she was going to be the final girl. 
she was just casted fresh off Final Destination 3, and I think she didn't want to be the final girl again. She didn't want to be typecast. Which is, part of me respects that, but then part of me is like, no! Like, Mary, you are a final girl, though. You're like an excellent actress, dude. Um, Melissa was also potentially supposed to be the final girl. But Michelle Trachtenberg would only do the movie if she could die. Which bumps me out because I actually think Melissa would have made a better final girl than Kelly. I'm gonna say right now, Kelly is not like the most likable final girl. Like she doesn't really do much. I mean, in the end she beats ass, yeah, but like I really like Melissa's character and I think I would have much rather seen her make it to the end. Apparently also, during filming, Mary Elizabeth Winstead found herself on message boards of people talking shit, like talking about the potential of a Black Christmas remake and talking shit about it. She's like, huh, that's funny. I just thought that was a fun tidbit. Um, this is the one detail I hate, okay, is if you've seen the trailer for this movie and then you watch the movie, I would say a little more than half the trailer never shows up in the movie. This is because the Weinstein Company elected to shoot some extra shots just to pull people in. These shots included a scene where Dana is being drugged into some sort of a rake machine by a string of lights. Um, there's a scene where Melissa is in the hallway and lightning strikes and Billy is up on the ceiling. There's also one where Michelle Trachtenberg opens the front door with a shotgun and goes, Merry Christmas, motherfucker. Which is, I need to know if anyone listening to this has seen a version of that TV spot where it was Mary Elizabeth Winstead holding the gun. Please feel free to let me know. Because when I saw one of these TV spots, I remember that part, okay? But I remember it being Mary. And the reason I remember it being Mary is because I saw that and said, oh, that's the girl from Sky High. And then I went and looked up the movie. So like, I don't know, maybe that was just one of those false memories. But anyway, they added all these clips in the trailer just so people would come and see it. And I'm like really disappointed that a lot of these clips didn't show up in the movie because they look like really good scenes. Like that could have, Dana's kill with the rake machine and the lights, that would have been better than what she got under the house. But that's just me. Um, we're gonna move along to likes. Um, what I liked was that they weren't afraid to kind of move away from the original and give a backstory to this killer. You know, granted it's a little wild, it's a little wonky and unnecessary sometimes, but I think with what they were aiming to do, it ended up being pretty interesting. Like, you know, it's very much like the Rob Zombie Halloween idea, where, like, did we need a backstory? No. But it was, like, interesting to get one. I don't know. I also like that, like, the original, this one very much feels like Christmas. It gives me that Christmas vibe to the point, like I said, I will watch this every year. It's, like, tradition for me. Um, also, you know, it may be considered a dislike that none of these characters have personalities, but if I haven't made it clear before, I will do so now. I love a bitchy character. And we get so many in this movie. We get so many bitches who just are negative and have terrible attitudes. And I love it. I love them all. 
Like, I would probably be friends with them, like, hate friends, like, frenemies. I don't know. I did think there were some very good kills in here, though. I think that they definitely have this Christmassy vibe, and the way it mixed with, like, the violence was really good. Like, we had, like, someone getting strangled with Christmas lights. We have someone, um, getting stabbed in the neck with a sharpened candy cane. Like, they definitely took the vibe, and they went with it dislikes um of course i dislike the scene the fact that they filmed these really entertaining and fun scenes for the trailer never to be seen in the film i dislike the whole incest vibe like i feel like we didn't have to do that like we could have done something a little more um a little less disturbing with just as much shock factor um, this here is not a critical dislike, it's a personal dislike. So much eye stuff. So much eye stuff, and I just can't. Like, I hate it. <laughs> Stop. I hate eye stuff so fucking much. Um, it's just, like, not my vibe. I can't get behind it. Stop. Movie makers, stop. I can't take it. Although I will say, I feel like that might be a bit of, like, a reference to the original movie, because all we saw of the killer was his eye. That's just me trying to make something out of it in my pea brain. Also, didn't like how everyone just recognized Claire right away, even though there's no possible way to really see her face. So how would anyone know? They could have made the bag clear. That would have been really disturbing if the bag was clear, because she's missing an eye. So, that would have been really spooky to me. Let's get into my favorite character segment. Um, while I have, like, two I was choosing between, Heather was one of them. I don't know, I think Heather's just, like, really interesting as a character. It seems like nobody likes her, and she's, like, this privileged princess, and that's kind of her vibe. But I'm gonna give my favorite character to Lauren. I love Yankee Crystal Lowe. I think every movie she's in, she does great in. She just has great presence. She's good at playing, like, the bitchy popular girl. Um, she played a drunk masterfully. Like, I really thought she was so funny. She was so, like, antagonistic and, like, just kind of negative about everything. But it was really funny. She had this, like, sort of blasé vibe about her. And also, as stated previously, she chased a shot of tequila with a sip of wine, and that's just like, that's icon material to me, I don't know. I love Lauren a lot, so yeah, I'm gonna give it to Lauren. Alright, um, now, rating this, I'm gonna do this somewhat like I did All Cheerleaders Die, because in this case, like, this film, like, as a film, is probably like a 5 out of 10. Hate to say it, terribly sorry, um, I love this movie, which is exactly why, on the enjoyment ranking, I give this movie a 9. <laughs> I just think it's a fun time, I think it's wild, even the decisions I don't agree with them making, I think are still fun. Um, I like the creative choices they made, I love the cast, I think absolutely the cuntiest cast ever and I adore it. I think all of these women are entertaining to watch even though you don't know much about them at all. That's fine. Special nom for Lee's coat, his favorite character though. 
with that being said, that was Black Christmas 2006. And next week, we're getting into Black Christmas 2019. I'm gonna tell you guys right off the bat, this is my least favorite of the bunch, 2019. Um, I'll get into it more when the episode comes, but I just feel like there were some elements they really missed out on. And if we could have had like a perfect combination between 74 and 2006, it could have been a great movie. But when Black Christmas 2027 comes around, we will see what they do with that. All right, with that being said, I hope everyone had a lovely holiday. I spent my entire holiday being sick, so I hope everyone else's was a little better. Um, stay tuned for the finale of our Black Christmas analysis, and thank you for listening.